Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One verse. I'm going to talk to you about something real practical. Luke chapter 6, here it is on the overhead. NIV, easy to understand too. I'm going to talk about um, prayer, prayer, and I'll tell you why. Everybody, if you'd like to stand and read it, or where you're seated, if you read it with me. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Amen. Thank you. There are many verses in the Bible that talk about Jesus praying, and uh, some of them are when actually Jesus is... Um, Kind of, he, he's, he's obviously giving himself out to the crowds because the multitudes came. Many, obviously, everybody came to him was healed. And uh, they, some believed and knew he was the Messiah. Some rejected him and so forth. But Jesus went out, and obviously, he needed to get away to be with the Father, to basically, in a way, to be refreshed, to be strengthened, to get instructions for what he was to do because the Bible talks about real clearly that uh, we're only to do what the Father tells us to do. And I've always said, Lighthouse Fellowship has a particular ministry. It's not all the ministries of the churches down the street or anywhere here in this vicinity or beyond. It's what God tells us here at Lighthouse Fellowship to do. So to be able to discern that, we've got to hear from God. And so we're all praying together. And let me tell you, I've told you all, the crowd we have today, you're a powerhouse if you begin to pray. And I'm going to share with you some things. I want to share with you, not legalistically, what that means is, hey, if you do, don't do this my way, and you don't do that, and so forth, you know, you're condemned. No, we're not condemned. There's no condemnation. But somehow, maybe God's Spirit will convict us that we need to pray. Now, we talked about in the last two weeks, two weeks ago, is that we're not obviously a real program-oriented church. We are a little bit different than other things. We don't have a basketball court necessarily, or we don't have a bowling alley. We don't have any of those things. And so uh, I'm a little bit slack, or a whole lot slack, on actually taking and implementing programs for this or that, or for growth, or any of those types of things. But what we, what I said was the main need of the church today was the power of God. Amen. The power of God. Because when the power of God is here, people are going to be drawn. Let me tell you, this church will be full, okay, when revival hits. There'll be people wanting to come into the church house. There'll be people wanting to know about Jesus Christ. We need the power of God in our lives. And I said, well, how is that that, that makes that possible? And that is through the power of God's Spirit. Because uh, God left His Spirit here so that He would convict us and give us power to live the Christian life, and also to minister to other people in need. And I just believe all of you, I see all of you here as ministers unto the Lord and to other people, okay? You've never been trained in ministry. You're not maybe a pulpit pastor in that sense, but I see you in the light of how God sees you, and that is we're all ministers, amen. All of us can, in the marketplace or at home or wherever it may be, as God prompts us to pray for somebody or to pray with someone, we can do that. It may be in the middle of the aisle in Walmart or, or HEB or whatever it may be. We need to have our spiritual antennas up looking for people that we can minister to because people today are, uh, are hurting. People are hurting. They're lost, and, and they're looking for a purpose in life. You and I know Jesus, and so we have a purpose in life. 
And so uh, I see y'all as ministers. Uh, it doesn't make any difference where you are in life. It doesn't make any difference what you see. God has called us to minister to people and to minister to him. And that just blows me away when you can minister to the Lord. We can bless the Lord. Do you believe that? We can bless the Lord. We bless the Lord by our obedience and we follow him and we diligently seek to do his will. Amen. Not just kind of haphazardly or apathetically, but diligently seek after the Lord. And I'm going to share you how to share with you how to do that. Then last week, we talked about, well, what will revival? And revival means uh, to make alive again, aliving and waking and so forth. What will it look like when revival comes? And I talked about several things. One is that the fire of God will fall, the fire. Now, fire takes, and you know, burns all chaff and, and all the things, cleanses and so forth, and the fire of God will come, and we'll realize in our heart of hearts and experience Him, because the Western church has not talked much about experiencing God, okay? We have knowledge of the Bible, but we haven't necessarily encountered Him, haven't experienced Him. Well, let me tell you today, the good news is God wants us to encounter Him. So we position our hearts, we get in a position to encounter the Lord God Almighty. Because basically, you know, all the knowledge I have will not necessarily change me. It is knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's knowing Jesus, amen? And so some reason you're here today, obviously, to come because you want to worship with us and we've been blessed with your presence. But there's a drawing. There's something happening. I don't know if y'all can sense that. There's something happening in our culture today. Now, <clears throat> the Bible talks about in the end times is that darkness will rise up, and we're seeing that in people killing people, and they don't even have a conscience. But also, Jesus says, the light of Christ will rise also. So the two will come. So we have Jesus in our hearts. We know that he's going to do something powerfully. So the fire of God. So worship will take place. I love the worship. I love to come together corporately and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I love to come and, and just sing the songs as Jerry has put together here and continually just worship amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, you know? And uh, obviously Chris Tomlin wrote that and, and my chains are gone and I've been set free. I love the worship and so forth. So Revival. Y'all know my heart. Over many years I've been with you. I have a heart for revival. I have a heart for Jesus to come, renew us, revive us, to awaken us to his presence because he's here right now. And I believe God wants us to be aware of that. We talked about two weeks ago the song that I played, and it's a revival by a musician, and he's Irish, named Robin Mark. And we played, and I passed out the sheets on what you know, that particular, the words of that song is. And, you know, it's, it's a, and I, I mentioned when I get, when I get to a place where I need to be stirred up, I just turn that on and turn it up and sing to it. Okay. And we'll, we'll play it again in the future. But it says here, I can hear the thunder in the distance. It's like a train on the edge of the town. And I can feel the brooding of your spirit. Lay your burdens down. Lay your burdens down. I can hear that rumbling. I can hear something's happening in the spirit realm that's going on. And first, it obviously happens in the natural, but it also then in the spiritual. There's something happening here that I believe God is quickening people's hearts to obviously go into a depth of intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that means, obviously, it, it's all pure in that sense, but to know him, to have a relationship with him, to love him, 
like we've never loved him before. Amen. He is, obviously, uh, my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my, the most important person in my life. And then, obviously, comes Cindy. But Jesus is the most important person in my life. And so I can feel the brooding of the Spirit. Lay your burdens down. Lay your burdens down. We carry burdens, and, and they're, they're burdens that God never intended for us to carry. And when revival comes, we're going to lay burdens down. People, uh, bondages, our chains that we talked, sung about, all of those things are going to fall off and we're going to be free. And, and the experience will be not, like nothing we've ever experienced before. You'll want to serve the Lord, and I'll want to serve the Lord like I'm never serving before again. Because we are living in the times, I believe, of a harvest. I believe we're living in a time where the harvest of souls is, is very, very plentiful out there, if you know. You get out in the community, and most people in this country will say, again, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'll say, well, tell me about what you're believing. And they'll tell me something completely contrary to Scripture. And, and oh, well, I'm a good person. You know, I've never murdered anybody. I've never uh, really done anything bad and all that. I've never committed adultery. I've never done this and that and so forth and, and all. And, and I've done good things because I've given to the uh, latest charities. I've done this and that and, and all that and so forth. And yet they're empty. And you know why? It's because they've never accepted Jesus in their heart. They believe the lie in believing that our good work somehow can bring us into the right relationship with our, our Father in heaven, okay? And it can. The only one can do that is Jesus. And so when we feel that happening, those, those burdens will be laid down. And it says, from the preacher preaching when the well is dry, and to the lost soul reaching for a higher high, from the young man working through his hopes and fears, and to the widow walking through the veil of tears, every man and woman, every old and young, every father's daughter and every mother's son, I feel it in my spirit, and I feel it in my bones. You're going to send revival and bring them all back home. Now, that's good news, folks. There are people out there today that need to come back home. There are people that need to know where they can lay their burdens down and come back home. That's what happens when revival, when our hearts are being revived. I want to tell you, I want to be a part of that, and I believe you do too. And I just believe it's not because of Lighthouse Fellowship. Again, this is a gathering of, of people that that are blessed by the Lord, that feel a call of, of, of the ministry on their lives in this place called Lighthouse Fellowship. But it's about Jesus Christ being revealed to people's hearts that are walking in such darkness that they feel they have no hope. They have no hope. And they come to that place when they hit rock bottom and they look and they reach out to the hand of Jesus. It's always been, His hand's always been reaching down to them. And they'll have the strength and they'll reach up and take him by the hand and they'll believe. I want to ask you this morning before we should really start in, don't you have family that may, maybe you've been praying for and you would like to have that joy in their hearts and the peace of knowing that when they die that they'll be in heaven with their loved ones? Don't you want your neighbors that are around you or, or maybe the people that you work with and, and, and work maybe for, whatever, that maybe they don't know Jesus and all. And you know in your heart, it's like God has put a burden on your heart for it. Don't you want them to know that peace that passes all understanding because they have a, are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ? 
That's, that's our whole purpose, is to share this. You see, this life we know is like a, a, a mist. It's brief. It's like a vapor, the Bible says in the book of James. It's quick. I don't know about you. I was looking at my hair this morning. It's getting grayer and grayer and grayer. It's not getting browner and browner and browner. I don't know what y'all's. Y'all's getting browner? If you're using something, let me know, and I'll use it too. Getting grayer and grayer and grayer. Plus, it's getting less and less and less. Amen? I look and turn over, and I, whoa. The, 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 it's like putting the headlights on the top of my head that's been buffed. We're not, time is fleeting. We're living in a season where I really believe the harvest is, is ready for you and I to go out into the field and pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, the Bible says. Pray that God will send them because they're, they're plentiful. People really need to know the Lord. So how can we, how can we really um, position ourselves to, um, to receive revival? And I'll talk about it real quick. We need to pray. We need to pray. But you know what happens is, is that we many times are too busy. We're a little bit too busy. And in, in reality, we're too busy for God. I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to myself. You get too busy. And I know when my strength poops out. And I know that what's happened when I really reflect on it, it's because I haven't prayed. I haven't done what God has called us to do. You know, here where we see Jesus, he goes out on a mountainside and he prays. Now, if Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray. Amen? He's the Son of God. We need to pray like we've never prayed before. And we can usher in by his power. Now, God is sovereign, so he solely uh, <clears throat> gives revival as he desires. But we get ready. In other words, it's kind of like getting the weeds out of your garden. You want pretty roses, get the weeds out of them, or whatever it may be. So we get our gardens of our hearts clean and get ready, and that's done through prayer. Because in prayer, what will happen is, is God will show you things in your life, not to condemn you, but to convict you and to bring it before him so that you, he, you come before him and you just have that. You know you have a clean slate because of the blood of Jesus, but you come and you want that relationship. You want that today. And I believe everybody here desires that type of relationship. So I'm talking about getting along with the Lord, having a quiet time with him. And so how do we have that? You got to make it priority. And the first thing I'll say here is that we were created to have fellowship with him. We were created. The sole purpose, we were here. Now, how can that be? The God of all creation who spoke and everything came into existence, the, the planets and the stars and everything were, were put into place exactly the way they should. How is it that the God of all creation has created us to have fellowship with him? That's exactly what we've been, have, we've been made to have for. And that's not to see who can leave this place with the most toys. It's for a relationship. It's for fellowship with God. And there's nothing else created that was given the privilege that human beings have been given that we can commune, we can communicate, we can talk to our Father, we can listen to Him, we can hear His voice through the Word of God, through the still small voice, through impressions that we have. And I'm going to share with you in the next few weeks that some things about that too, some things in the next couple months or so. I believe today that we can walk in the presence of the Lord we have, because we're always there and we can have communion with Him on a regular basis like we never have before. If we were created to have fellowship with God Almighty, then are we taking advantage of it? Are we doing that? Because that's why we were created. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, 
uh, Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. I stand and he's knocking. You're going to let him in. I've always said Jesus is standing at, at the door of the church house, knocking, can I come in? And Lord, come in. Fling the doors of this church wide open and come in, Lord Jesus, but also fling the doors of your heart wide open and say, come in, Lord Jesus. I want that deep relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. You know, he's a friend. John 15 talks about it, that he is our friend. And God's desire always has been and always will be to have fellowship and communion with human beings. The second thing here is, is that Jesus died to make that relationship possible. He died. He died so that we could have that relationship. Remember what happened when he said, it is finished? And remember what happened to the, the, uh, the, the veil in the temple, the wall, which was really thick. It was concrete and it was thick, it actually split right in two. And, and the Holy of Holies was opened up at that point. You know, remember the Old Testament where the, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, and he had to be prayed up, and he had to make sure there was no sin in his life because if he walked into the Holy of Holies, he would drop, and he had something on his heart, had not been confessed, he dropped dead. You see, you and I can come into the presence of the Lord Obviously, I have communion with him because Jesus made it possible. The veil and the rent was torn. There's no obstruction. Only obstruction is whether or not we desire that or not. And whether or not we desire to walk in that. You see, Jesus restored, restored it. In Hebrews 4, it says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He says here, he said, let us have confidence that when we go into our prayer closet, wherever it may be, it may be on your sofa, it may be a way where it's quiet, you get alone with the Lord and you just pray. You know, and it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be that you have pray some type of pastoral prayer or theologically correct. You talk to God, right? You know, I'm not the only one that can pray. The problem, and, and sometimes the church uh, has, over the years, even the Western church, which we're part of here in the United States, is kind of almost indirectly at least taught that the pastor is the only one that can pray for anybody. That's not right. We can pray for other people. All of you out here. And I may call and say, you know, if I feel, I don't want to, I wouldn't embarrass any of you, but we can pray for one another. Your prayers are powerful today. It's not just me. The ministry of the church takes place for the body. I just, I do the equipping. But somehow that's turned around because our church today has been taught, I think, things that weren't correct. Or maybe, indi maybe indirectly they did. Not on purpose, certainly. But certainly you can do that. And so the veil was torn in two. And that quiet time with the Lord, just for those maybe 15 minutes in the morning, get up a little bit earlier and sit before the Lord. You don't have to say anything. Just sit before the Lord, listen to the Lord, and talk to Him. Whatever it may be, that little bit of time and watch what happens. You begin to want more and more and more. You go, yeah, but I'm so busy. Every moment of every day is already consumed. I can't do it. Let me tell you, you take time for God, whether it be in the morning or night, whenever it's convenient, whenever you feel that you can do that. If you do that, you watch how God makes a way when it doesn't look like there's any way. Watch how God begins to, to put your, your, um, your time schedule in a way that you can do everything that he's called you to do that day and you'll still have plenty of time. 
Remember the story of the, the two fish and the loaves? Remember what happened? I mean, we had 5,000 sitting on the, out on the hillside. And remember? And the disciples said, these people are hungry. What are we going to do with them? We need to send them away. Let them go down to 7-Eleven or, you know, stop and go, wherever it might be. You know, get something to eat, didn't he? He told them, God, we can't do anything. And Jesus said, you got anything? And he said, yeah, we got two fishes and what was it, five, five loaves or so. And remember what he did? He said, bring them over here. And he broke them. And he said, now pass it out. And he said, all of the 5,000 plus, because there's probably more than 5,000 there uh, because of the women and the children. But there was one, he, he fed them. And then remember the baskets full that they had left over. You see, if you give God your life and you give God your time, and you start out saying, Lord, this is your day. What do you want me to do? And I get up in the morning. The first thing I pray is, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And I go, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do today? What are we going to do? That's the first thing I thought, think of. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's shortly after that. I begin talking to the Lord at that point. What do you want me to do, Lord? And don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not perfect in this, okay, at all. I'm just giving you an example of what I do. But when we give God that in our lives, he'll multiply it. Amen? I've been reading a book. It's called Soul Revolution by John Burke. And what basically he is, and we talked a little bit about it on Wednesday night, and what he says is, is that obviously if we were made to have fellowship with God, then we can have that relationship with him on a, just a, a regular basis. Because let me tell you, I'm as guilty about it as all. I can go through through uh, a day, and sometimes I get so busy, at the end of the day, I'm going, oh, I haven't even thought about God. I haven't prayed to him. I haven't talked to him. You know, and eight hours has gone by. And I said, that's got to stop in my life. I've got to come back. I've got to, I've got to spend that time with him. And so when I think about this, in that particular man, he, he's called, he gives and teaches on what's called a 60-60 experience. And he said, every 60 minutes, come back to the Lord and acknowledge his presence in your life because he's with us always. You know, he's there. He's where? You and he, ATV? He's there. Wherever. He's here right now. And so you acknowledge, Lord, you're here. And so what I do as I stop in 60 minutes, some people will take and put it a timer where they can do that. I'm trying to discipline where I will come back at least even before an hour if I have to. And I'll start telling, talking to the Lord at that time. I'll come back to him. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. But I'll come back and I'll, I'll, I'll pray to him. And I'll go, Lord, I, I just want to tell you I love you. I just want to tell you I love you. You're here with me right now. And I acknowledge his presence. And then I tell him, I go, Lord, um, am I on the right course? You got everything in him. I'm, I'm doing what you want me to do. If there isn't, uh, redirect me and show me. And I begin to converse with him. And then I listen, okay? I do that. I read from the scriptures in the morning again, and I'm trying to, re I want to read through the Bible. Not to try to say, hey, put another badge on or anything like that. It's nothing. I want to know God. And so I read through the scriptures. But I talk to him, talk to him. And I talk to him in the car. I sing to him. I'm singing to you. Sometimes the songs I'll sing and say, Lord, this is a prayer to you. So I'm going to sing it to you. I'm going to talk. Just talk to him. Begin to talk. Watch what happens and do it for 60 days. Just 60 days and watch what happens. Watch your life change. Watch those around you change. Because you know why? When you're in close contact with God and you're tempted by something, let me tell you, you go, oh, God's here. You know? Watch what I say. You know, uh, slow to speak and quick to listen. 
Watch what I say. And, and sometimes it may redirect you in what you're to say or what you're to do or whatever because you're like, man, God's here. I'm talking to him. He's here right here with me right now. And the reality, you know, sometimes I used to years ago, I would say, um, you know, people will say this today. I, I pray that God will be with you. And yeah, he is with us. He's always with us. But you know what I pray? I pray that you would be aware of his presence with you. Amen? I will, you will be aware of his presence. He's with you all the time. So if he's with us all the time, what we can, can we do in our prayer life to enhance our prayer life to draw closer to the Lord? And I believe usher in revival. I want my neighbors to be saved. I want my family to be saved totally. I, I believe all my family is, is saved in that sense. But my family goes way beyond just my immediate biological family. My family involves many other people today, you see. And I believe that Jesus is doing something so wonderful, I want people to get, be a part of it. And so it begins, let me get my life in order as far as prayer is concerned. Jesus needed prayer for strength, and so do you and I. If you're run, not running out of steam, and yeah, you're doing this, go back and see what your prayer life is. Put a check on it. Go back and see if whether or not you need to go back and, and just tell him you love him. Just tell him, I love you. I love Jesus. I love him. And I'll tell him. Verbalize it. On these things I'm talking about, confess it openly, audibly, that you can pray to him. So also, you know, if we're going to serve the Lord, we need to pray. We need to pray. Remember George Mueller? I've shared some stories about him. George Mueller was back in, in the uh, late 1800s. And he lived in England. He, he uh, felt called to have an orphanage. And he had a lot of kids over there who were orphans. And he brought them in his cottage. And George was a man of prayer. He would spend hours in prayer. And he would pray. And remember one particular time, they had run out of food. And I've told this story before. But they ran out of food. And, and so George, by faith, and he had a large group of children. He set the table for the children. Put up the silverware and the plates and all that. And here come the children. They're hungry, and they come in there. And George had been praying because, again, everything that George did, he got by faith, by prayer. He, seek, he sought the Lord on it. And the children sat down and looked and, and said, whatever they called him at that time, is, where's the food? Where's the food at? And George kept saying, well, God will provide. God will provide. Had no idea of this. And so finally, it wasn't too shortly after as they were sitting there, and George was continuing saying, Lord, I believe you want to feed these children is somebody knocked at the door. And the person at the door actually had like a, a catering service that brought over and they said, look, we can't find this address of these people that obviously we feel like ordered this food and we need to give it to somebody so it can be used. And they brought all this food in for these children. Amen. By faith. But it takes prayer. He prays getting the heart of God within us and, and listening and, and obviously doing things the way God does them. It happens through prayer. Y'all remember, uh, maybe I've talked about my friend Paul Lagono. He's Kenyan. Um, he's just a black guy, just, just cold black. And I went to seminary with him. And uh, Paul was a, just, I mean, a good friend and a powerful prayer warrior. And uh, he would go back to Kenya every now and then because he lived in Katy for a while. He went to school up there. He went to seminary when I was there. And he would go over to Kenya, and he, they would hold, you've seen pictures of these big crusades 
out in the fields and all. There'd be thousands and thousands of people. And so he needed some type of equipment to haul the speakers around and the audio equipment that was needed to be able to preach in those big fields and so forth. And so he prayed. Paul got things from his prayer closet. He didn't ask. He, he prayed about it. And God gave him, a man in, in, in uh, Houston here said, I, have, I, I feel burdened to give you a, toy, a brand new Toyota Tundra so that you can have it shipped over to Africa and you can use it in the transferring of the equipment and so forth to preach the gospel to the multitudes. Amen. He got it. He prayed. And God did it. Don't you want to have that relationship with God? You know, Jesus did. Jesus went away and prayed, and he got his strength from the Father. And let me tell you, sometimes we feel like, hey, you know, uh, I just don't feel, I feel dry. And, and it's just like physical food. You get hungry. You know, we have, um, most, most of the time, we have three meals a day, don't we? I don't miss too many meals, but I don't want y'all commenting about that. Because I love to eat. But when we don't eat, what happens? We get hungry. And when you're not praying, you're not getting into his word, we get hungry, don't we? We get hungry. There's something not right. You see, because we are body, soul, and spirit, but predominantly we're spirit because that's what will go to heaven when we die. The body's not going to die. It's deteriorating. And so feed that spirit man and, and, and feed it. So... What is it, the purpose of a daily hand? Give devotion to the Lord, get direction from Him, worship the Lord. We need to bless the Lord to get that direction. We need to obviously uh, commit our day to Him. Now remember, when you commit, you, you get up and you pray and say, Lord, I commit this day to you. What do you want to do? And all you, what happens is sometimes we have things already planned out. If you're working or whatever you may be doing, you've got tasks to do. But you know, when you start out in that direction of fulfilling that task, God may change it. I remember in hospice, I had so many people I had to see per day. Sometimes I saw 10 people a day all over the city. So I had to get it. And so I had to schedule them. And I usually clumped them together if they were in a particular area because I couldn't travel all over the city because it was not enough time to be able to see them. And I'd have it and I'd call the person. I'd say, you know, Jim was, you know, chaplain, blah, blah. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'd go, can I come by to see you? If did I schedule it in my time? And they go, you know, uh, my loved one, they didn't get a good night's sleep tonight. Could you call us next week and, and reschedule? I said, definitely can. Knock that one out. I'd call another one at times. And then somebody else would say this. Well, my schedule that I thought I had was all kicked out of kilter. It was done. And I was like, well, but you know what happened when I found that? And I'd sometimes get frustrated about that. But if I'd had any sense, I would have realized that God was rearranging my schedule. And what would happen is during that time where those I, I wasn't able to see those patients or patient or patients and so forth, I'd get a call from somebody, and they'd say, "Jim, can you come by here and talk with us? Such and such is going through this. Can you come by and give counsel regarding this particular with my loved one again, a terminally ill person and a family or family, whatever the dynamics were and so forth?" I said, "Yes, I can," and I would go by there. And I would realize that God rearranged my schedule and that it was an anointed time. I was supposed to be where God wanted me to be. And so when you commit your day to the Lord in that time before the Lord in the morning, 
then just realize he may readjust you. You know, Kendra does all the delivery and all that stuff. I mean, it's a wacky schedule. All of us have that. We can all testify to that. But God says, commit your day. When you do that, watch what happens. We're here, obviously, to have that communion, to gain great delight in the Lord. In Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He says, obviously, the source of our joy is found in the Lord's presence here. And so we fought, we spend time with him, because you see, the closer we get to him, the better he looks, and the more you fall in love with Jesus. And that's all it's all about. You fall in love with Jesus. You see, our objective of this time with the Lord is not to study about Jesus, but really to get to know him. I have information. I know the, and not, I'm not a theologian in that, but I've learned the Bible, and I'm not the greatest scholar in that way, and don't get me wrong and stuff. People know the Bible like the back of their hands, but I'm talking about, do you know Jesus? You know what will happen when you spend time with him? You'll get to know Jesus. You'll be changed. Things start changing in your life. And that's what God is saying today. You want to grow to be more like Jesus? Get into the Word of God and also to have that time of prayer. Also, how do you begin that time, that quiet time? Pick a specific time. You need to have a time. Which is best for you? Uh, I like it in the morning because I get coffee and all, and I will sit be before the Lord and all. Sometimes I can really sense His presence. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not as just kind of feely touchy, but I can almost feel his presence at times. Um, I'm a feely touchy type of person anyway. Are y'all, anybody here like that? Or are we all kind of dry and stale? <laughs> what are we? I feely touchy. I love the Lord, feel the Lord's presence. I love to be, because see, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord when we go to heaven. Why not experience it now, right? I'm asking that we can sense his presence, that he is here today. He touches us in different ways. That's his business. But I'm ready to get prepared whenever that time comes when we go to heaven. So pick that time, get along with him. And uh, remember, Hudson Taylor was a, uh, was a missionary to China. And he said this, the best time to tune up your instrument is before you play the concert, not afterwards. Right? Best time of the day. Give God your best, whatever time that is. You, and, and God will work it out with you if you just, just say, okay. Give me 15 minutes today to begin with. Don't watch the clock. Obviously, it's quality, not quantity, certainly here. Go before the Lord. Get, your, get a notebook. Get a pen. If God speaks to you, then, then write down whatever he says to you, whatever it may be. He'll speak to you, but he wants you to know that, obviously, he wants to know you're serious about it. I'm listening, Lord. And then come with expectancy. Lord, I know you're going to speak to me, so I'm listening to you. I'm expecting you to speak to me today, and I come. Something about a life of expectancy, again, is a life where God will, will come in and touch. may interrupt your schedule again, or he may, obviously, but he's going to do something in your life when you commit your day to him, when you start out and you begin praying like this. Something's going to happen very, very special. Take the scripture. What I do is I read a chapter. This is just me. I read a chapter in the Old Testament and a chapter in the New Testament. I don't read it, again, just for information. I read it to connect and engage with God. So I read it slow enough to where God, and I'll say this before I read that the scripture. I'll say, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear you. And then I'll read a song. It takes about 15 minutes. And during that time, I'll pray. Sometimes I'll pray. He'll bring people to mind. 
You ever had a person that keeps coming to your mind and you're wondering, what is going on here? And somebody keeps coming to your mind and all. You know what that very well could be? Is the Holy Spirit in one way or another prompting you to pray for that individual, right? He'll prompt you. But what do we do with those thoughts sometimes? Those things come in and so forth. We just go, ah, I don't know what's going on. But sometimes people will even say, something must be going on with this person because that person keeps coming to my mind. Pay attention to it. God's speaking. God wants to. We've got to discipline ourselves. Remember the, <laughs> the battle of the blanket. And one man tells a story about a young man who tries to offer an excuse to God for not having his quiet time. And he said, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry. I wanted to meet with you this morning, but something came up. And God said, yeah, I know. I saw it. It's called a sheep. The problem is the sheep. We want to stay under the sheets, don't we? So you got to get out of bed, you know? And you got to put your full, I talked about full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, because we're in a battle. The devil wants to take you and me out. You start living for Jesus. I've always told you, he'll he'll, he'll do all he can to take you out because you're a threat to his kingdom and you're building the kingdom of God. Fall asleep thinking about something spiritual, whatever it may be. Fall asleep praying for your family member that needs uh, prayer, whatever it may be. Fall asleep doing that instead of just so easy. Man, I'm so glad I told Cindy and I have always used the expression with Cindy is, hey, this is the best time of the day. I don't know about y'all, but by the end of the day, I'm tired. And man, this is the best time of the day. I can lay down and shut my eyes. Fall asleep thinking of something spiritual, something that's going on here. Get up out of bed, obviously. Get your cup of coffee or whatever it is. Get thoroughly awake and read and pray out loud. Another thing is you can go. If you do, you start and so forth, and you get a little bit. I don't know about you. Sometimes I can pray, and I'll fall asleep, and it's the best sleep I could ever have. I don't know what that means, okay? I'll boom, my head goes down, and my, my, my uh, obviously here I hit, I hit my chest. It doesn't even wake me up. I can sleep real good like that. So what I do something, I'll walk. I get up, and I'll walk. You'll feel dry like nothing is happening many times. Ain't a thing happening when I pray. And my prayers feel like they're bouncing off the wall. That's what the enemy is trying to tell you. Your prayers and my prayers are powerful, folks. It's powerful. The the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not like the world but they're mighty and pulling down of strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. They're powerful. That means prayer. The, wep- the Our weapons of our warfare are prayer, prayer, prayer. As we pray, watch God begin to revive you and begin to renew you, obviously. Whatever it may be, God's saying to do it. It's something he shows you, confess it. He, he doesn't condemn you. But confess it and move on. You gotta stay consistent. Because Satan will tell you everything. Nothing's happening. You know, it's a waste of time and all that. He'll tell you that. And sometimes again, when you miss a day, we beat ourselves up. You know, oh gosh, I forgot to don't beat yourself up. Just go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I messed up. I, I want to get with you again. I confess it and then move on. But we beat ourselves up. God's not beating us up. This is not legalism. This is not, you've got to do this or do that and so forth. No, this is obviously some way just sharing with you to get in a habit, a discipline, 
of your relationship with the Lord. Talk to Him all day, no matter what you're going through. Don't get on a guilt trip. God is um, God's saying He'll give you grace. Don't give up about it, you know. Sometimes people will say it takes about three weeks and you get into that. But once you start praying and God begins to show you He's answering the prayers, then you will say, oh boy. You start seeing people's lives change as a result here. So I just want to ask you today, this makes sense. Makes sense. Prayer is something that we can do. And it's something that I believe is necessary as God uh, ushers in revival. And he, he comes with a renewal. I'll, I'll say this. There are some churches right in the United States that are actually praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They feel called to do that. Well, I've not, I, I haven't felt called to do that. If he did, I'd be telling y'all about it, and we'd be doing what God told us to do. So, but certain churches that are doing that, they have uh, prophetic words that that this is what they were to do. They're all over the country. They're actually all over the world. They're praying because I believe that Jesus is the answer. I don't believe this is a new or better political system. I don't believe that somehow maybe a better educational system or maybe somehow um, that we just kind of better ourselves and so forth. Not that we certainly would be against that. But I believe it's a move of God. I can hear the thunder in the distance like a train on the edge of town. I can feel the brooding of the Spirit. He says, lay your burdens down. Lay your burdens down. I want you to just listen just a moment. If there be anyone here today and you just feel like that some chains are binding you, you feel like that somehow that you're just not as free as what God would want you to be because He's come to set us free. And you feel like and it could be past, could be present today. You're here for such a time as this. And if God has called you today that, that maybe there's something that's just been heavy on your heart, I want you to come and wait for us after the service and come and let us pray for you. You see, we're in this. There's, there's obviously no shame in that when you share and you're transparent and you're going to the Lord with a need today. You see, we're all in this boat together. We all face temptations, and we face these things together. None of us are immune to that. I, you think sometimes with a preacher, he just, he, you know, he's got it all together. But uh, no, I'm just like everybody else. The battle is going on every day. But you see, God wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to continue to carry that burden. Lay your burdens down in that song. Lay your burdens down. And I just want to ask you, just stay out there a little bit and, and let, us, let us pray for you, okay? You get transparent, and let me tell you, God sets you free. There's no shame. We don't. That's all confidential stuff, but that you feel like, don't carry it. Don't carry it any longer. God is saying, let it, let it go. Bring it to Him. If someone here is never really, they don't have the assurance of their salvation, and you maybe sort of you feel like it, hey, everything's fine, but you want that assurance of salvation. I want to tell you today, 
we talked about today, confession. In Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Confession today. Confess Jesus. Begin to go to him. Confess him. Before people, before family. Don't, don't be, obviously, obnoxious. We're not there to But out of love, confess and watch people's lives change. You may get resistant to begin with, but if you are doing it, because you know God wants you to do it at the right time in the right place, is the time that you want to do it and share. Confess Jesus, because there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And just do it. Just do it. If someone here, again, we talked about healing, there's some, their bondages, again, they're breaking. I believe God's sending breakthroughs, okay? I had to believe that because, you see, I can't psychoanalyze people, but I know where the power is, and that is when we call upon the name of the Lord and we ask him to come in and do these things which I know already on his heart, and we agree with him according to his word, I believe you're going to see it change lives. So whatever the issue may be, we're here to pray with you and to be a part of your life. Thank you for your presence. We love you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today, your truth. Thank you that we can pray and talk to you. And it doesn't have to be just a hit and miss. It can be continually. So, Lord, even in, in performing tasks, we ask you, Lord, today, give us grace that we would commune with you, that we would fellowship with you, that we would call upon you. And, and Lord, we just want to say all of us together today, we love you. We love you. And we thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world to die for our sins. And we know, Lord, today you want everyone to come to salvation and a full knowledge of who you are. And so, Lord, today seal on the hearts of all who are here today the truth, your word, what you have spoken. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.